And hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> Oh, shit, dude. I think we are recording. I think we're live. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? This is the Golf Bros. What's up, DNVR Golf gang gang? Gang gang gang. Gang 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 gang. <laughs> we're bringing you another hot episode of Big Drive Energy. I'm Mitchell, bringing you the straight drive energy. That's, and I'm Spencer, yeah, bringing that's, you the real Big Drive Energy. That's true. That's very real. Um, today we are bringing you a little bit of lesson talk. So we're talking about, first of all, we're going to cover our best and worst lessons ever. Pretty funny, kind of a nightmare. Um, still have PTSD from a few of them. Uh, and then we're going to talk what we look for, you know, kind of give you an, an inside look into what we talk about with lessons and what our thought process is. And Spencer and I actually teach kind of a different style. I mean, I teach the correct way and he teaches a different way. Oh man, that's kind of fucked. <laughs> no, I, it's just different. You know, everyone's different. It's a, it's a real personal thing, you know? So I think it'll be good. And then we are going to drop a new segment that we actually did on our previous pod. If you're a previous listener, uh, love to see it, hate to see it. Pretty classic one. And on top of our don't be that golfer and a few other odds and ends so yeah but first of all guys we want to tell you so we're at the bar recording right now the dnvr bar first of all if you haven't been here get here so it's the, sick it's the best place to watch any denver sports they have the game sound on the crowd's going crazy socially distance of course right now um but i can't wait to see this bar once it's packed man it's going to be so much fun shoulder and to shoulder another cool thing is i mean obviously watching all the dnvr sports is Denver sports is badass here, but we're going to be doing watch parties for all the majors coming up. So we're going to have like a Sunday watch party for all the majors. So you can come in here, watch golf as early as it starts. We still have the uh, U.S. Open and the Masters coming up this year. So we're going to be out here hanging out. That's going to be fun. Obviously, we'll have more info on that. But this bar is just quintessential Denver. Like if you like Denver sports, this is the spot to be. So we're recording at the bar right now, and we just walked in downstairs, got ourselves some wings, some salt and vinegar wings, fire, pitcher some Coors Light before we record this pod. Some you lattes. Know, we, we like to drink a little bit, and uh, we looked back in the back to where all the merch is. Of course, the new merch that came out this week with the Sambor Shuffle shirt and the Turn the Lights Off, Carry Me Home Ave shirt. But there's also some new merch down there this week, which I saw, 
and it includes us kind of. It's a, the DNVR golf polo. It is in stock. It looks sick as hell. It feels so good. clean. It's not like one of those golf polos that you buy where it's like, yo, this polo sucks. It's hot. It's sweaty. It doesn't feel good to golf. It looks good. This this I mean, one, it's OGO. It's, yeah. it's quality shit. It's a quality golf brand. It looks good. The DNVR logo looks clean as hell on it. And I'm so stoked. But if you guys want to buy that, use our code BDE from this podcast and you get 10% off not only the OGO polo, but you get 10% off anything at the DNVR Locker. So go to dnvrlocker.com, check all that awesome stuff out. There's tons of different shirts, whether you're an Avs fan, Rockies fan, Broncos fan, Nuggets fan, DNVR rugby fan. You guys can get CSU, shirts. CSU, CU. Yeah, you can get shirts for anything. And and not only that, but like I said, you get the DNVR golf polo, use our code BDE, and get 10% off anything in the store. Well, all right. Should we get into a little lesson talk, Spencer? I'll let you uh, take the reins a little bit. All right. So first of all, Mitchell, I want to ask you kind of an interview type of deal. What When you go out to a lesson and you're teaching somebody that you've never met, never taught before, what are some of the things that you kind of look for? What what do you look for in a swing, or do you what do you what's the first thing you do when you watch them take a swing, or even before they take a swing? Usually, see, I'm a little different because I think setup is more of a comfortability thing, and a lot of teachers teach a certain setup, certain posture, um, and I'm not knocking it. it. It's just my style. I look at it as if you're standing over the ball and you feel comfortable. Um, unless it's just completely like off the planet fucked up, then I'm usually going to pretty much leave you where you're at. The biggest thing I look at is club face matchups, which basically means what is their club face doing in relation to their golf swing? Because the golf swing is a million different moves tied together, and they're pretty much all centered around the club face. And a lot of that has to do with grip, and a lot of that has to do with wrist angles. Um, wrist angles are relatively new and technical. Um, I don't use one or the other more than uh, each one, but I prefer, I, f I first look at grip, and usually an amateur, uh, a brand new golfer, is going to have a relatively what we like to call weak grip, which basically means a weak grip relative to the club is if your left thumb is pretty much straight down the club, the, the grip, and you can virtually see no knuckles on your left hand, your left, your left thumb is straight down the grip, and what that is going to do is right when you take, it, take the club away, the club face is going to fly wide open. And even if it doesn't fly wide open right on the takeaway, it's going to get open at the top, and it's basically going to kill what we like to call your pivot which is your freedom of rotation so i like to see the club face in a stronger position uh, and it's all kind of relative but i think club face is ultimately king and then the club face can also connect the path because if your club face is wide open you're naturally going to have to swing left or right if you're a, a lefty um, you're basically going to create a, a motion that cuts across the ball and you're going to hit that dreaded slice that nobody loves to see so the club face 
initially has so much to do with that. And then I look at path and we'll kind of get into a little bit more of that. But first thing I look at is club face matchups, basically. So I'll ask you the same question, Spencer. What do you look for? So uh, the last couple lessons I've given through DNVR, Chris Hill, a guy named Sean Ryan, um, I did see that they needed some changes made to their setup. And I kind of looked at their setup. And like Mitchell was kind of saying earlier with pivot and freedom of rotation, I look at a golf swing and I tell people this, especially even the most basic first-time golfers. I'm like, hey, a golf swing in its most basic form is a rotation around your spine. And a lot of new players I see tend to shift their weight off the ball a ton. And they do that because when they start rotating back or not rotating back, you know, basically pushing their weight to their back foot, they, they, they only do that because their posture isn't correct. So I look at their posture and I say, okay, is their back fairly straight or are they bent really far over the ball? And if you're bent really far over the ball and have your arms really extended, it makes it really hard to rotate around your spine when your spine's a big hula hoop, essentially. Is it easier to rotate a straight, like, two-by-four, or is it easier to rotate a hula hoop? It's much easier to rotate a two-by-four in a smaller area. And so when I look at their swing, I'm like, okay, there, you know, there's usually a couple things that they're doing wrong that I like to point out, and we try not to get into too many things. That's another thing about teaching lessons. You want to try to work on one thing at a time. Uh, sometimes I'm... A prisoner of the moment and a prisoner of the shot and you can't be but usually you want to look at one or two things and give them some building blocks so they can get up to building a good swing and ultimately too you can give them tips like it works out the best when you can fix one thing and everything falls into place and it fixes like three or four things because that that is one of the big challenges i would say about teaching is you need to find one thing that can change the entire sequence of their golf swing. And it doesn't always happen. Some people, like golf swings are like snowflakes. Everyone's is a little bit different. You can't tell me any single golf swing is exactly the same. And that's kind of the beauty of it. But as a teacher, you need to be able to analyze that on the fly. And sometimes it's a real challenge. And then sometimes it's so glaring. And not even if it's glaring, like... and that's another thing is Spencer and I think a little differently. So there's certain things he picks up on that I don't and vice versa. So it's, it's kind of fun. We, we talk shop sometimes and just see different changes we made to different people. And it it is kind of interesting just to see how other people think. And, uh, it's fun when you can find one thing that almost changes the entire golf swing and changes their entire pivot in general. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's one thing I tell a lot of people when I'm giving them a lesson is I say, okay, we're going to fix this, but fixing A should help and support B, C, and D, which I'm looking at as well. But usually when you fix one thing in a golf swing, it can make everything a lot easier for that person to do correctly. And they don't they don't even know they're doing it because if you fill somebody's head with too many ideas and they're a real overthinker or they're really concentrating on one thing, that can help them get better at one thing. But generally as a golf coach and a teacher, and when you do a lesson, you wanna to try to get the player to move in the right direction, obviously. And you can do that easily by steering them just down one path. 
that may lead them down the right path later down the road. But if you get them started with the right building blocks and the right spot to be in at this certain spot in the swing, whether it be the setup, the, the backswing, the, at the top of the swing, which is very back of the swing, on the downswing or at contact, at impact, we like to call it, you can get them to do a lot of right things along the way. Yeah, and I like to compare uh, giving a lesson. So let me backtrack just a little bit. A lot of people think that when they sign up for a golf lesson, it they think it's like taking your car to the mechanic. Like, I need my oil changed. I need my golf swing fixed. I'm going to pay somebody to come in, take care of it, and it's going to be fixed. Basically, a golf lesson is like if I was a mechanic and somebody showed up and said, I need my oil changed. I handed them all the tools and told them how to do it, but I made them do it themselves, which is, is kind of the beauty of it, but also challenging at the same time because as a teacher, you only have so much control. And that's kind of a whole other story, but you can tell when people sign up for lessons and they have the intent of getting better. They're going to practice. They're going to really work on it. And then there's people who sign up for lessons as kind of a Band-Aid. And all lessons are not created equal, to be honest with you. There's some lessons I frankly enjoy giving more than others. And for the most part, 99% of the time, I enjoy teaching somebody who wants to learn and who wants to get better. And you can tell when somebody doesn't give a shit. It's like, why are you even here? Like, not trying to knock you, but why are you coming to me if you personally don't want to put any time in? So that's, it's kind of a, a challenging thing for us is we have somebody who we gave a lesson to the week before and they're like, oh, it's not working at all. It's like, well, how many times did you hit balls between now or when I gave you the lesson and now, and they say they didn't. And at that point, you just have to realize that it's 90% on the player. Like that is not our problem. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's just a weird thing. I I like it, but it can be frustrating and there's a whole lot of different nuances to it at the same time. Oh, absolutely. And I actually start out, I like your mechanic reference. I actually start out by telling people right away that most likely if we're going to make some serious changes and some serious improvements to your golf game, that you're going to get better before you get worse. Like people think they... they You mean the other way around. Or, yes. <laughs> yeah, shit, the Coors Lattes are hitting me. People are going to get worse before you get better. And that's just a basic fact of the matter when you're it's, teaching yeah, golf Yeah, it's lessons. a foreign movement. It's something they're not used to. Like when you change anything, change is uncomfortable. But in order to improve, you have to do it. It's kind of like life a little bit. But anyways, I'm sorry I cut you off. No, there. no, you cut me off because I was being a fucking idiot. But... <laughs> No, yeah, you're going to get worse before you get better. And I tell people this, number one, because I don't want them to think I'm an idiot and don't know what I'm talking about when they, if they start hitting the ball bad. Not every lesson, like Mitchell said, they're snowflakes. Not every lesson does somebody start just hitting it like dog shit. And then you're like, oh God, I I made this person way worse. Or, and and vice versa, not every lesson, when you start teaching them or telling them what to do, are they going to hit every single shot after that good? Just because you're telling somebody the right thing, just because you're giving somebody the tools, doesn't mean they're going to put the oil back in the car correctly or put the screws back on correctly. So people have to realize that. And that's why I try to just describe to them and tell them, hey, you might get worse before you get better. But I know I went to school. I study this. I've done this. 
I'm telling you the proper things to do and the right way to get you into the correct spots. And if you do that, I promise you're going to get better over time. This is not a quick, like, this is, I, we do not do band-aids. That's the thing. And I think both of us are pretty, we're pretty sincere when we teach. We actually care about the person. We want them to get better. It's not like. Yeah, I don't really bullshit anyone. Yeah. Some teachers will be like, oh, we could fix this little thing and they could hit this big slice. But if you aim way left or you do this or that, then you can at least hit it in the fairway. No, if you actually want to get better and improve your swing, we'll help you do that. See, and on the other side of that too, we, I, I personally don't. I don't think Spencer does either. We would never upsell someone that we truly can't help. I mean, once we give them the tools, I would never be like, okay, when do you want to sign up? Like, what else can I help you with? I mean, I definitely love, especially with better players. I I like teaching everybody, but I am more well-versed in teaching probably 10 handicaps and below. Um, my mind is just more wired to see like little, ch- and I can definitely teach all levels. I mean, I've taught a million junior lessons and everything in between, but I, I have the most fun, um, getting a little bit more technical with people. But if I've taught a couple of scratch plus handicap guys where I'll give them one lesson and they're peering it. And I'm like, I, and they're like, when can we set up another lesson? I'm like, how about you go play and practice for a month and then maybe if you feel like you still need help somewhere you can come back to me but I would never tell somebody something's wrong if it wasn't like that's that's not our job either so it's a kind of I wouldn't say awkward but we're we're Spencer and I are just real straight up with people we're not going to bullshit you we're not going to tell you something's wrong when it's not and we're not going to tell you something's right when it's not so if you want a real honest instructor, you can come to one of us. We're just pretty much going to tell you how it is. Yeah, exactly. And on the other side of that coin, Mitchell and I's teaching styles are very different. And our teaching, I don't know if level's the proper word, but basically who we like to teach and who we do feel like we have the most success with is, with is also different. Because I feel like I teach beginners very well. I feel like I can take somebody that has no real idea of a golf swing or a very basic idea, and I can give them the foundation and the starting blocks to get into the game of golf and start hitting the ball up in the air a few times and get excited about it, you know? You're more of that, like, real analytical mind that can kind of teach to someone that's a three handicap. Like, I'll be completely honest, somebody that's a, a scratch golfer or a four or five that wants to get a ton better, I... Not that I can't help them. I definitely can look at their swing and tell them little adjustments here or there. But you're the one that's that really specializes in that. And I specialize personally in like juniors and kids that are just starting out movements and being a little more fun and being a little more, you know, lighthearted. And, and I feel like I can kind of bring that like, hey, here's how we get you better. It's going to take a little bit. This game is hard. We've talked about this every podcast. I think we've come up with, we've said this game is hard. And it is. But you can definitely make people better. And I really enjoy taking beginners, people that have never swung a club before, showing them how to grip it correctly, showing them how to stand correctly, and get them started off on the right foot. Because a lot of the times it's a lot easier to teach a beginner or somebody that has a fair amount of athletic ability and eye-hand coordination. Those are the two top things that make it easier to teach this game, even if they're a beginner. But you can mold their swing from the start. And if they don't have a lot of bad habits to start, they can start off on the right foot and continue down the right path that you want them to go down. And Spencer just referenced something that I think we both really do care about. 
and we've touched on it previously, but even in lessons, we like to make it fun. If I'm teaching someone, I'm like, what's going on with your life? And a lot of people I teach are people that I, I know previously. So I kind of know their background. And I'm like, hey, how's this going? How's your job going? You know, just bullshitting with people. It makes it makes such a difference. Like, I would never want to take a lesson. And I feel like a lot of people that come to us think that's the way it is. Like, they're going to get looked down upon because we're quote-unquote golf pros. And yes, we are golf pros, but that doesn't make us stuck-up assholes. Like, we're never going to be like, oh, you're horrible, you know? Like, looking down on people like that. It's entertainment value in and of itself. I wouldn't say it's entertainment, but we want to make it worth your while in every area. You know, I, I want to give you good golf advice, but I also want to kind of get to know you as a human being. And and that's another thing that some teachers struggle with. And I'm more on the personable side. And I would say Spencer is too. He's maybe a little bit more shy. But getting to know people and, and really making a connection even past golf, which is what we've talked about a million times already. But that is something I truly do enjoy. And I meet somebody new and... Like, for instance, Chase Hackett, I gave a golf lesson to. Um, he's on the men's league out of Spring Valley, and he's a former UFC fighter. He, uh, Prison Stare was his nickname. I fuck heavy with that. Uh, but he never picked up a golf club until about six years ago, and now he's like a five or six handicap. And he does... Muay Thai and he does karate and he does MMA and all those different things. So he knows how to control his body and what movements every body part is making. And I have to say that was probably one of the coolest golf lessons I gave because everything I said, and I didn't hold back on like technicalities, everything I said, he immediately picked up on and it was just enlightening. Like, and I don't expect everyone to be like that. But that's when it's can be extra fun for us is when you say something and you're just on the same page with someone. They know exactly what you're talking about. They pick up on everything. And even when they do hit a bad shot, they know what they did. And that is such a huge part of giving golf lessons. And being an instructor is helping someone be able to be their own mechanic. Let's put it that way. You're, you're teaching them how to fish. You're not catching them a fish. And when they can go out on the course and hit a bad shot and they know what they did and they can correct it on their own, that's like letting that baby bird go from your hands and toss them up and they fly away. Like that's, that's a really cool feeling as an instructor. No, absolutely. And uh, before we get into that was a cool story about Chase, we got plenty of stories for you guys that we are going to tell on this podcast. But before we get into those, I want you guys to please, if you enjoy this podcast and you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, whatever it may be, please rate us. Give us five stars if you like it. If you think we're dog shit, give us one star. Ratings and reviews help us grow. We want to grow this podcast and be be as big as we can. We we want to grow this to an exponential amount. Like like we said in the first podcast and it may have been crazy, but foreplay is we're coming for foreplay. Like we want to reach for the moon. And that's what we're going to do, but that only comes by you guys listening, and thank you guys all for listening. And give us a rating on iTunes. Give us a rating. Tell a buddy about it. If you like golf and your buddy likes golf, 
It's match made in heaven right there. Exactly. All right, before we get into some golf lesson stories, I want to do our uh, let's do our week or our podcast segment of Don't Be That Golfer because I know mine for sure has to do with kind of what we're talking about today in lessons. My Don't Be That Golfer is please, please, for the love of God, don't be that golfer that goes out on the course with his buddies, has not a fucking clue of what he's doing, and tries to give his buddies swing advice or your buddies. That's the woe. That is the absolute worst thing you can possibly do in my mind to your friends is I don't go to a fucking hardware store (laughs) and ask the guy for a recommendation on how to change a tire. I don't go to, you know, like a great analogy. It's, it was a terrible analogy. Yes, it was. Uh, But you know, like I was trying to think of a good analogy for that, but I don't go to a, I don't go to a, I don't know. You, you wouldn't go to Lifetime and tell someone how to play basketball. Exactly. Tell them their jump shot's fucked up. No, exactly. Did, we just had a kid on the golf team the other day at our tournament, and he's going to go nameless, so I can, I'm not going to totally rip him, but he's not great, relatively speaking. He shoots probably 110 to 120, and he was commenting on one of his teammates golf swings and I shut that shit down so quick. I'm like, okay, bro, I'm the teacher. I know what I'm talking about. You do not need to throw your two cents in there. Cause you have no fucking clue what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're saying. And a lot of times it hurts people's games more than it helps. Oh, like, absolutely. He, like half the lessons I blows give, my mind. I give like middle age, a lot of middle age women. That's kind of my demo. Spencer's like the, uh, <laughs> Spencer's a gilf hunter. <laughs> He's a big 50 to 55, some hot moms in there. You know, that's, that's his, that's just kind of my demo, man. They just kind of sign up for lessons and I'm usually in the pro shop on the women's league. You know, it just kind of happens. But a lot of the times they say, well, my husband, this and my husband, that, and I literally look at him and I'm like, Fuck your husband. Like, he doesn't... Sheesh. Like, maybe he's an accountant. Maybe he's a millionaire. Ask him how to manage your money. But don't ask him about your golf swing because I guarantee you the shit he's telling you is wrong. I don't go out and give people advice on how to manage money. I don't go out and give people advice on how to do their banking. I don't know that shit. I do it for myself, but I I give people golf advice because that's the only thing that I know other than sports. And Yeah, that's pretty close. And that's how people should stick, you know, and it's so aggravating like that's hearing, he, that's hearing, how the world goes around. Yeah. Everyone knows something different. Exactly. We happen to know golf. I don't tell somebody how to do a bathroom reno. Like I can't do shit. I can't barely hammer a nail into a wall half the time. I don't know, dude. I watched a lot of uh Flip or flop. I think I got the bathroom reno down. Is that Chip and Joanna Gaines? No, that's Fixer Upper. Uh, I'm a big HDTV guy. I usually watch that show for Joanna. That's pretty much... She's a low-key rocket. Anywho. Yeah, you wouldn't Don't be that guy. Just don't don't be that golfer that goes out and tells his friends, you're shooting 110, you're shooting 120. You keep... You pipe down, keep your mouth off your buddy's ball and worry about yourself. Like, that's... Don't be that guy. Yeah, you got enough concerns. Unless you're out there shooting 65, just shut the fuck up. Uh, my don't be that golfer this week is it's more of a, from a golf employee perspective, don't be that golfer or that group of golfers that wants to come in on the turn and eat lunch. And they're like, Oh, can we just get back up? Can we just get back out on the back nine? Yes. This is, this needs to be heard. Yes. Yes. 
really it flabbergasts me. Like people will come in, they want to sit down and eat lunch, have a couple of cocktails. And it's a busy ass Saturday. We've got like almost 300 people on the T-sheet. And they're like, oh, we just got done eating lunch. Can we just go hop off the back? It is like, no, there is actually a million people making the turn right now. <laughs> Newsflash, like, that's not how this works. Like, there's no chance you're getting back out on the golf course until 5, 6 p.m. And it just blows my mind. And I, I try to be understanding, like, especially people who don't really know golf, but that's what we're here for. We're here to help people understand things they shouldn't do and that is one thing you just flat out cannot do i mean you can stop in on the turn grab a glizzy grab a bag of chips you know grab a couple of cocktails have a shot we have an on the turn menu specifically at the golf course you order from that you don't order a fucking cob salad that takes 10 minutes to put together oh shout out to adam mares (laughs) he fucking did that the first time he showed up to spring valley yeah we were already late we were yeah we were like five minutes out on the tea time and he's on some fucking keto i don't know or i don't know whatever i respect adam and his diet or not diet his eating habits but he orders a full-on like chicken salad and i'm like bro how fast do you think they can cook a chicken like a chicken breast not a full chicken but it's not going to happen in five minutes. And it, I, I get it, but you just can't, can't fucking do it. <laughs> like, there's just no two ways about it. You grab something quick. And plus, why would you want to ruin, like, if you've been having drinks on the front nine, which I hope you have done, if you had a couple cocktails, a couple shots, whatever on the front, why do you want to ruin that buzz unless you're at the point of almost blacking out? Which I've been at before. I'm like, and, I need to fucking eat something. And you just order t- a double glizzy. <laughs> you you just, just go two hot you go dogs. long glizzy. Straight down the hatch. And then you're back in the game. But you cannot sit down, have a couple of cocktails, especially with golf being the way it is right now. It is, every golf course is packed all the time. So you will not have a chance to go play the back nine if you do not make the turn within five to seven minutes of when you came off of number nine. That's flat out fact. Exactly. All right. So we've told you guys a little bit about how we go about teaching lessons, things we look for. We're going to give you guys some, some stories. We've taught probably combined, I'd say over a thousand lessons, 1500 at least. Uh, we got some good, some bad and some ugly. So Mitchell, I'll start with you. Give me, you know, you talked about chase, give me your best lesson ever. Oh, that's that's pretty tough. Chase is definitely up there. Um, I teach one of my buddies, Drew McFall, and he's just one of the most fun guys to talk to in general. He he used to caddy at Dallas Country Club back when he was real young. He's from Texas, and he's just got that Matt McConaughey vibe. He's like, hey, what's going on, brother? And you're Dude, like, that that's was exactly what he's like now that I think about it. <laughs> you're like, I fuck so heavy with that. I just want to talk to you. And he's a, he is a really good golfer. He can golf his ball. He's thrown up a few 66s, 67s out of Spring Valley. And he, uh, his swing is like, he basically gives me money and he's like, tell me what I'm doing wrong. And I'm like, bro, it's not what you're doing wrong. It, you just got to – he basically has gotten to the point with his golf game where he got to the point where he was so good 
that he started fucking around with different things that he didn't need to touch. He's like, well, if I just do this, if I just, I'm like, dude, quit doing that. Just leave your swing alone. And there's a few moves I tried to give him, but ultimately his swing was perfectly good the way it was. He was playing to probably a plus one, plus two handicap with his swing untouched. So in that respect, I just love teaching the guy because he's so fun to talk to. Uh, back in his like caddying days, and he worked in like the cart barn at Dallas Country Club back when there was a bunch of like mob guys down there. He told me some crazy stories and just fun shit like that. But I would say he's probably my most fun person to teach. And I've probably given him a handful of lessons on and off, but just love talking to the guy in general. And he's just a lot of fun. So I would have to say that is my favorite. It's not necessarily one lesson in particular. Chase was really cool too, but I would have to go with Drew. Um, and I'll ask you that same question there, big shooter. So my best lesson ever is actually a member that he, uh, he was like a 14, 15 handicap. And he came to me and was, he just had, like you said, just a few little tinkering things here and there that he needed to get. Who was this? His name was John. And John came to me and was like, hey, I just need a lesson. And I watched him hit a few balls and they were kind of wonky. You know, you could tell he's played golf a lot. Like he has a good feel for his swing and what he's doing. And he just really was receptive to what I was telling him. And then all of a sudden he started hitting these two yard draws and I'm no joke, on the range, he hit six or seven irons in a row within two yards of his target. And it was just, it felt so good because we worked on one little thing. We got his club path just a little more inside out because he was trying to hit a draw, but he was kind of pulling the club in. And we'll get more into that as we go down the road, not necessarily this podcast, but another one. And he just started hitting these perfect little draws right at his target. And he actually dinged it off the post we were aiming for like three times out of like eight shots, which is incredible. And he was just so excited. And then he went out and shot one of his better nines the next round that he ever shot. I think it was the second best best nine he'd ever shot. And then his second What did he shoot? I think he shot 38 and he's like at 12. Yeah. 37 or 38. and Some solid golf. Yeah. And so he went out and he just played really well. And granted, the tough part about teaching too is unless you're teaching certain things, you can't really necessarily always improve somebody's score. That's what's misleading about the game of golf. Somebody can hit one dick high off the ground and hit and hit a, an iron that rolls up to two feet away from the pin. And they can make birdie. They could hit a pure iron that bounces off a sprinkler head and ends up in the weeds and make a bogey. So people don't always separate the two of those. You're going to hit the ball better if you work on the things that we're telling you over time. I can guarantee that. Yeah, but over time, your scores but, will improve, but, yeah, it, but you might actual, not see immediate improvement on the scorecard. Exactly. The actual scorecard takes a lot more into effect than just hitting the ball. Um, but yeah, I gave that lesson, and I just thought, I just felt really good about it. And, and then he went out and scored one of his better rounds, and it just like they come in, and they're like, thanks so much for that lesson. And I actually had two ladies in Ladies League. I taught them back-to-back lessons, and then the next week, both of them finished first in their flight that week. And I just saw that as I was scoring it, and I was like, you know what? Fuck yeah, this that feels good to know. Like you gave two ladies lessons, and they went from struggling, whether or not it was me, the placebo effect, just the way the cookie crumbled that day. But it it worked out for them, and and that's always a good, great feeling as a teacher because 
as we're about to get into, we've had some rough lessons. Yeah, I'll let you start there because I've got a few in mind. So my bad lesson, before I get to the ugly, uh, one time I taught a lesson to this girl that was just brand new at golf. She'll remain nameless in case she listens to this podcast. It was an hour lesson, her and a friend starting out. She had new clubs, knew this, knew that. And I was like, oh, cool. She's ready to do this. I'm not shitting you. It was an hour lesson. And I think she actually made contact with the ball roughly six times in an hour. It was the most uncomfortable I'd ever been because I keep saying the same things over and over and over again. You know, keep rotate around your spine. Stay, you know, don't shift your weight back. Try to keep your head level. Try to keep your shoulders level. And it wasn't working. And she hit about six balls, and none of them went up in the air, which is, you know, for those of you that are into golf but still learning, you know, that's the most exciting thing. When we give lessons, that's, like, the most exciting thing for a person that's just beginning. They don't care if it's going way right or way left or this or that. As long as that ball gets up in the air, they're pumped. And that takes some practice, and it takes a few different techniques and things you have to pretty much do in the golf swing to be able to do that and they get excited when it happens but oh it was rough i i after that hour i was kind of like i don't know if she's ever gonna come back here again but she did and now she's playing a ton and we do lessons you know once a month or maybe even more than that sometimes uh but she's gotten a lot better at the game gotten had a lot more fun playing the game because now that she's semi good at it it can make it a lot more fun like we've talked about before but that first lesson, man, whoo, that was rough. Yeah, I'm on the same page pretty much. If I had to pick one, though, it would be a lesson I gave this year to a kid who literally did not say an entire word the whole lesson. He's probably like 8 to 10 years old, somewhere in that area. And I asked him every question I could think of like, oh, where do you go to school? You know, do you play any sports besides golf? He didn't play golf either. So do you play sports outside of golf? Whatever. And he would literally make eye contact with me and just look right back down. And I, I'm not necessarily knocking him because kids are shy, but it makes it so uncomfortable as a teacher when people can't really even respond to what you're saying. Like they may be doing something and he didn't even react when he hit a good shot. He was hitting a few good shots. And when we talk about like bad lessons or bad experiences we've had, it's not always about how the result is in their golf swing. It's sometimes about how uncomfortable we feel dealing with people. And you know, that's, that's the way it goes. There's going to be people that are easier to and more receptive to deal with than other people. But I have never been more uncomfortable for an entire hour than I was for that. And, and one other quick thing, I'm not knocking parents for getting their kids into golf. I think it's great. The earlier you get into golf, the better off you're going to be if you really do want to play but so many parents are like, oh, my kid should try golf. Honestly, golf's not for everyone. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not telling you to not bring them out, but it, see if they like it first. You know, you don't throw somebody into something and be like, okay. And you've seen it at rec league, like when we were little, you see it at basketball, football. The kids don't want to do it. 
but the parent wants them to do it. And I'm not going to go into like parenting 101 here, but if your kid doesn't want to do something, I wouldn't necessarily force them to do it unless it's like they don't want to get out of bed. I would make them get out of bed and a few other things. But when it comes to sports or even not sports, let them pick what they want to do. And if they're into it and they come to it naturally, then they're going to be a lot better off and they're going to enjoy it a lot more than their parent breathing down their neck. I mean, there's a handful of exceptions like Justin Thomas, his dad is still a swing coach. Uh, Tiger Woods, his dad pretty much taught him until he passed away and or had some hand in teaching him, um, even on like the mental side of the game. But for the most part, the less you push your kids into something, the better off they're going to be. Long story short, in my opinion. So when I see kids come out for a golf lesson and you can just tell they don't want to be there, like I wouldn't necessarily say you're wasting my time, but the parent just wants their kid to be doing something, but it's very evident. And then I have kids that are eight to 10 years old that love it. And it's awesome. Like I, I love teaching them and, and they're hitting good shots and they're getting better. And that's really kind of the, the basis of this whole thing is it doesn't matter if you're young, old, male, female, anything. If you want to get better, that's what makes it fun for us. If you're there because it's just something to do, or you think it might help a little bit and you're not, or you're just brand new and you don't know the first thing about it, but you don't really care to know. That's what really makes it a bad time for us. I would say, I don't know how you feel about it. No, exactly. I feel the same way. Um, getting into the ugly. So if you guys watch the video, first of all, if you're not following us at DNVR underscore golf on Twitter, do that. We're interacting with you guys. We're posting funny videos. We got so many little things in the works. We got a hilarious golf term Tuesday that we've already planned for next week. If you watch my golf term Tuesday from last week where I talked about a shank and you've ever hit a shank or you've ever been familiar with the shanks, you know that it's just, it's sickening. It, it makes you feel sick to your stomach. I once shanked an entire bucket, 40 balls of range balls in a row on the range trying to fix a shank. You just can't get it out of your mind. And so I gave this guy a golf lesson. This is about a year ago, about this early this year. And I didn't know him. He just signed up, wanted a random lesson. He didn't pay for it before. That's always an awkward thing, too, paying for it. It's like, oh, did you, you know, you don't want to straight up ask him, did you pay? Did you not? You know, so most people are pretty good about it, but sometimes it's kind of awkward. And uh, he didn't pay for it before. And we go to the range, and he's hitting like, he's hitting it okay, but I definitely see some things we can work on. So we start trying to work on the things that he can work on, and he starts hitting it like shit. And then he starts shanking it. Just cold shanks, like, no joke, 25 balls in a row after I told him one Sheesh. little thing. And I, like I kind of said on the Golf Term Tuesday video, I, I literally told him, I was like, dude, uh, you don't have to pay for this lesson. You can schedule another one with me if you want, and I haven't heard from the dude since. Then to make matters Surprising. worse, I have a back-to-back -back lesson, so I was out on the range for hour and a half straight. I go over to our good friend AC, one of our buddies from the golf course, awesome dude, the, one of the coolest dudes to talk to in the world, and I give him a lesson on his wedges. He's like, I just want to work on wedges, and I'm like, okay, cool. This motherfucker starts shanking it. <laughs> the whole lesson, he shanked it. So I went through an hour and a half where after I've adjusted somebody's swing, they started cold, hard shanking the shit out of the ball for the whole time, and I, I honestly couldn't handle it. 
And so that was probably the worst I've ever felt is just like, cause I texted Justin, our old boss. And I said, dude, I'm quitting teaching. I'm never teaching another lesson again. Two lessons in a row of cold heart shanks. It was mortifying to say the least. So for my ugly, I really, I cannot say I've, and I'm not saying that I'm better. I'm anything else. I just never really experienced that. I mean, I've taught a few beginners where, like you said, this lady asked me and it's not a knock, but she's like, so when can I tee it up? When can I not tee it up? And I'm like, you're brand ass new to golf. Like that's relatively basic. And she whiffed it the majority of the time. And you can only try to positively and twist things so many different ways throughout an hour long lesson. Like at some point you just gotta be like, that that wasn't great. Let's try it again. And that's one other thing too that a lot of people don't understand. And we're trying to communicate a little bit here, but you could make a really good swing and completely miss the golf ball especially if you're brand new because the golf swing is not a a natural movement. Like you go play baseball, you look at someone, you throw the ball towards them. Hopefully if you have any sort of hand-eye coordination, maybe you don't. Um, But with golf, you're facing forward and you're basically trying to hit it 90 degrees to your left or to your right, depending on which hand you swing from or what dominant hand you have. Uh, It's just an unnatural movement. So a lot of people don't pick up on it right away. But you can actually make a good swing mechanically. Like if I were to just swing over the top one intentionally, I would be like, that was a fucking horrible looking swing. You know, it looks pure, you know, because that's what I do is I just make a good pass at it. But if I intentionally miss one, I wouldn't be like, that was a horrible swing. I just fucking whiffed it (laughs) like that. And it happens frequently where people are so results oriented right off the bat where they could do nothing that we're telling them to do and they could hit a good one and they'd be like, oh, that's awesome. And it kind of makes it tough on us. Like, uh, I I don't really know what to tell you. I'm not going to tell you that was horrible, but I'm not going to tell you that was great either, even though you, you made good contact and that's kind of a Band-Aid. Even if somebody hits a good shot, they're if they're not doing what we're telling them to do, then they're ultimately not going to see long-term gains from it. Oh, exactly. I actually have a funny story. I've taught a couple, a bunch of lessons the last couple of weeks, but a couple of these stories I just got to share because they stick out in my mind. First of all, I teach this little girl. She's nine years old. Her name's Charlotte. She's the cutest little girl ever. I do a lesson with her every single Thursday, so I did one She, today. like, melts my heart. Yeah, she's, she's, she's a sweetheart. Um, I, th- I believe she does... I think her grandparents are telling me she doesn't have a 15th chromosome. So she is, like... She can only eat a certain amount of calories a day, and she's always hungry. So She today, literally has a, a nonstop appetite, like, not to get morbid here, but she could eat herself to death. Like, she... If she wanted to, she could never quit eating. She never feels full. So it's, and I heard about this per, in pretty good extent from their grandparents. So, but I, like when I saw her, I was like, oh my God, she's the cutest little girl. She's got these little glasses. And I just like want to give her a hug. Oh, yeah. And so when I, t- I was teaching her last Thursday, and she, it was the most incredible golf shot I'd ever seen from any human ever. 
she teed the ball up too high and we were hitting driver. And she hit this she swung under the ball, hit the tee pretty solid, and not much of the ball. The ball popped straight up, and as she was finishing her follow-through, she actually hit the ball with the club again backwards towards the parking lot. I thought it was about to take out the windshield of a Ford F-150. That's how scared I was, but it was... I don't know if you could... You could try to make that happen 150,000 times, and you'd probably do it once or twice. It was the most incredible thing I had ever seen in my life. So, Charlotte, you're the best. I love teaching you. I'll still teach you every Thursday for the rest of your life if you want to get better at golf because (laughs) she's just the best. Yeah. And Uh, I have this other lady... Her name's Karen, and you know Karen. She came into the pro shop. She wanted a lesson. This lady is the most incredible, like the most upbeat lady you've ever met in your life. It's like almost, it's almost too much. She's like, you're like, how could you be this happy? And you're like, I wish I was that happy. Yeah. When you see <laughs> yeah. her walk in and how excited she is she about She just brightens every room she comes life, into. And you're like, this lady's incredible. Like, And then I gave her a lesson the other day on this. She's like, I want to learn how to hit out of the sand. No joke. And she, she's a good player, no, too, she right? No, she is. She's yeah. a golf... She calls herself a golf gym rat, basically. She, <laughs> she's a golf snob, a golf nerd. I forget the exact term she used, but we... So she wanted a sand lesson, and we, we hit... She hit three or four shots the way she thought she should hit out of the sand. She thinned it, you know, skull-fucked it right into the... the <laughs> into right the into lip. the lip of the bunker. <laughs> and so I gave her a few tips, you know, where to put the ball, how to make the swing, where to focus your eyes, blah, blah, blah. She hits like three good out of the sand and literally she's like, okay, I'm done. She paid me $55 for roughly six minutes of instruction and four minutes of that was walking out to the bunker and and walking back in. It was, you know, and it's just lessons. She's like, I've got what I need to go. You just go. And it's like those where it's like you feel like you helped someone that are so incredible and so enriching for you as as a teacher to be like, wow, I just helped them. They feel better about their game. I feel better about myself. I can go inside and be happy now. And I would say it is just as gratifying for us as it is for the people we're giving the lessons to. It might be more gratifying for us and not necessarily for like our egos or anything, you know, I mean, sure it helps, but we really at the base of all of this, we just want to see people have fun because we have fun. I mean, I have a lot of fun on the golf course personally, and I just want to see more people enjoy themselves. So if some can put a smile on their face like that. I am all for it. And if it takes five shots or 50 shots or whatever, at the end of the day, that's, that's really kind of what we're about. So it's a, uh, interesting profession to say the least. And we could probably go on for another hour, two hours about all the different interesting lessons we've given, but that's pretty much, that's for another pod for another day. We're not done with this yet. Yeah, I think we have a few thousand more episodes of this podcast to go if I'm if I'm uh, feeling pretty good about ourselves. Exactly. So before we get out of here, let's do our we're going to introduce our new segment of you love to see it, you hate to see it. And I'm going to start out with my uh, I'm going to go you hate to see it this week. And the people's champ Brooks Kepka has withdrawn for the rest of the year. And you hate to see that because number one, he's a, before this year a two-time defending U.S. Open champ. The dude has a chance to win every single major. He talks shit to Bryson DeChambeau, which is beautiful. We all love that. We do that. Everyone in the world other than Bryson does that. But he does it out loud on the mics, on the camera. 
Um, but he's withdrawn for the rest of the year. And that also hurts because I had two futures bets on him for $100 a piece to win the next top couple majors, the Masters and the um, U.S. Open coming up, actually. And, uh, you know, so you just hate to see a good player, like, go down. Like, anytime Tiger Woods goes down with a back injury, you're sad. Anytime those guys that bring life to the game like Brooks does, you just are sad to see them go. And then he'll be, hopefully he comes back healthier next year and is ready to rock again. So my hate to see it this week, Brooks Kepka being out for the year. Well, yeah, and what I was going to say is love him or hate him, he is bringing more people to golf because he is making golf more likable. He really is. He He's similar to Dustin Johnson. He's a little more vocal, and he's got a little bit higher IQ. Because I think Dustin Johnson's IQ is the equivalent to like a piece of Wonder Bread. It's just the guy doesn't have a thought in his head. And that's fine because he's really good at golf. But Brooks is more relatable than any golfer we've seen come out in quite a while. So I am actually personally disappointed that we can't watch him. And I think he kind of shut it down too because... He was like somewhere in the 90s in the FedEx Cup rankings. And in order to move on in the playoffs this week, you have to be in the top 70. So he would have to play pretty well. And I think he had like some nagging wrist injury as far as I could tell. So that is uh, sidelining him for the rest of the season. Luckily, the, the rollover season, so Spencer said year, and that's kind of like the golf year. But... This golf year only runs through, I want to say, like late October. And then they they take like a two-week break, and then they pick right back up where they left off um, out in Napa Valley is usually for the uh, Safeway Open if I or the Fries.com or some shit like that. But they, they start their technically 2021 season in November. So we're hoping that Brooks can be back and ready to rock for that. Uh, my hate to see it for the week, I'm sorry, love to see it. My love to see it is the greens this week out at TPC Boston are absolutely crispy. They are... Cool table status. Yeah, they are so fast. And I love watching guys, tour players, I tweeted it earlier today on the uh, our DNVR golf account. I love watching tour guys put it off the green because it's that fast. And you've got tucked pins. You've got a lot of ridges. And TPC Boston is just pure as it gets. Like, if I could go play, that's probably my top five of places I could go play. But those greens are so fast. And it is so much fun to watch. And I personally love fast greens to play on. But just seeing the challenge that it, it poses for all these tour guys is a uh, a treat because a lot of the greens week in, week out are pretty much, I wouldn't say the same, but they keep them around the same speed. They uh, These guys have played the greens before, uh, even at TPC Boston, but when they make them as challenging as they did this week, you can know a green... You can play it 15, 20 times. You can know it as well as you want, and it doesn't make a difference because that speed factors in so big. So my love to see it is those uh, crispy, fast greens out of TPC Boston. Yeah, dude, it is uh, it is fun to watch those tour players kind of not struggle because they still succeed. They're still dude, shooting 
65, 64, 63 today. Um, but if but, a guy's off their game, they're fucked. Oh yeah, they're it's and it's and they don't show those players on tour shooting eighty. But those guys, they're they're out there. Believe yeah. it. We talked about Jim Herman the other day. The, they're out there every week shooting eighties. But all right, guys, before we wrap this pot up, just want to let you know, DNVR Golf, become a member. We got the polos in now. If you use our code BDE, you get $10 off upgrading your current DNVR membership where you're already getting all the best DNVR sports coverage. Uh, Broncos guys, Rockies guys, Nuggets guys, Avs guys, they're all incredible. The rugby, we've met all these dudes and had the chance to hang out with them the last couple of weeks ever since we started here at DNVR and their knowledge. I just like, like to sit and pick their brain about each individual sport and they're all so knowledgeable and friendly to us they've welcomed us in and so if you guys use our code bde upgrade that regular membership to a golf membership you get a cga membership you get the ogo polo that is on my instagram story uh, i just posted that it's it's fire you get in, you get a polo you get discounts at spring valley golf you get discounts at common ground you get discounts on clubs lessons with us like we talked about today you know we like love giving lessons. We love making people better. You get discounts on those. And there's just really no reason for you not to be a DNVR golf member. So upgrade that membership, but use our code BDE. Save yourself a little money and become a golf member today. With that being said, we are the golf bros. And this we- is our this is a big drive energy. <laughs> and we will talk to you here soon. We are out. Out.